I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to Episode 20 of the Simply Convivial Audio Blog. And now for a short but meaty focus session to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. Classical education is for life. In Season 4, we'll explore what classical education means and why it matters. What does classical education mean? A label is a tricky thing. Just when you decide to take on an adjective as an identity, you find people including shades of meaning that you didn't personally want to own. For this reason, it's common now to eschew labels altogether and call them useless and misleading. However, I think we should be comfortable generalizing and allowing ourselves to be generalized. One generalized label is classical education. Under that umbrella, you can find many different, sometimes contradictory, definitions and applications. But if we look at principles rather than methods, then I think we will find many of those different voices agreeing more than not. And if we examine underlying principles rather than particular applications, I think we'll be surprised about who would fit the label but who doesn't want it and who claims the label but doesn't agree with the foundational assumptions. This is not an attempt to try to purify the adjective, the label, the identity, by pushing out those who are sullying it by being different. This is an attempt to clarify a definition, which should always be the beginning of any discussion. And so I'm going to try my hand at a definition that is not so narrow as to allow only myself and a few handful of people who agree with me, but one that will accurately fit the history of the concept and allow for agreement in essence, if not in practice. Mostly, I need to think through the definitions myself because I find that if I say I am homeschooling classically, people imagine six hours of hardcore work with fact-drilling chants and hard books and Latin. In our house, it's more like two to three hours of work, no fact drilling, but long selection recitations, and books with excellent language and stories, but we don't think they're hard and we read them for fun. And yes, Latin, but it takes us two years to go through a one-year book usually. So I say relaxed classical, which seems to boggle people's minds as an oxymoron, but it isn't. To me, the most important and distinguishing mark of classical education is that it is not a monolith system or approach. Instead, it is a historic stream that began with the ancient Greeks, was modified by the early church fathers, and has been practiced ever since in a variety of styles and situations. It is a moving stream, not a static lake. It has a progression historically, but it is not progressive. Progressive modern education in the 20th century consciously stepped out of this stream, attempting new ends with new means and new worldviews. Classical education has had numerous iterations throughout history. So while we should mine the past to figure out how to restore the liberal education that made Western civilization great, there is enough elasticity within it to grow and expand and make room for Dorothy Sayers' insight into the trivium-fitting stages of development, even though that concept was ever part of education before her essay. And there is room for the intensive education of Elizabeth I, room for the Puritan agrarian form that shaped early America, 
There's room for one-on-one tutors and governesses, and room for classrooms, and room for mothers with a few books. The primary difference I see between the classical approach and the modern is that the classical approach addresses the whole man, mind, body, and spirit, and attempts to lift him to something higher and better than he is. On the other hand, the modern approach sees only the physical. Even the mind is seen as merely a physical organ with cognitive functions. Modern education denies that there is any higher meaning to life and stoops to manipulation, which is the only effective tactic if people are only highly developed animals, in order to get the student to do what is most advantageous for the economy. Even people who do not agree with the premise and worldview behind modern education still accept its practices and its goals, probably simply because they are so pervasive in our culture. And even liberal materialist secularists can pursue classical education, some because they only see it as a means toward economic power, because it is actually effective. On both sides, there are those whose assumptions about life and the goal of life are not consistent with their practices. Classical education is a certain set of subjects, like Latin and literature, and it is a certain set of practices, like memorizing and reading and Socratic discussion. But more importantly, the classical approach is an idea about what education is. Some subjects may vary, as may practices, but at its core, classical education is a belief about human beings and what they need. Yet most people want to jump straight to what you do, so classical in common parlance means Latin, and we spend six to eight hours a day at hard mental labor. However, if classical is a stream that began at the roots of Western civilization in Athens and Jerusalem and continued and picked up steam and mass through the ages, then first and foremost, it is an idea and not one monolith practice. There is historically no monolith practice that made up what Western civilization has called education. But what is meant by education has remained principally the same until the industrialization. Education has meant a pursuit of truth and understanding, the pursuit of wisdom. An educated person was one who was conversant with ideas and history, one who knows how to comport himself properly in light of what he knows. And that's why I like Circe, who defines classical education in this clear and beautiful sentence. Classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on truth, goodness, and beauty, so that, in Christ, a student is better able to know, glorify, and enjoy God. That is the best summary I have yet to come across, ever. Practices and subjects are secondary to that purpose. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, a morning prep sheet. What is a prep sheet? A morning prep sheet is an attitude-focusing tool. It's simple and straightforward and might even seem silly, but it's effective. Try it. All it is is a page of hard-hitting, convicting quotes that will make you sit up straight and take your day and your life and your actions more seriously. If you review these same few but punchy quotes and scripture selections daily for a period of time, they sink into your mind and heart in a new way. 
They also spring to mind when you need them in the midst of a foggy morning or an irritable afternoon. Acting on them is still hard work, but at least we've taken the three-minute step to reminding ourselves of truth. It will work, over time, with repetition, through growth. Reviewing specific truths to focus ourselves on our intention and our motivation is at the heart of The Art of Homeschooling, a five-step program for irritable, fatigued homeschooling moms. Download your own free prep sheet at simplyconvivial.com slash audio and use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off The Art of Homeschooling. You'll love it, or I'll give you your money back right away. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also hit the share button on the show notes and share this episode with your Facebook friends. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes and the free morning prep sheet. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. Repent, rejoice, repeat.